And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Boy, it is always fun to come your way and bring you these conversations that uh, I happen to have with my various guests. Uh, I like to call them friends, even if I've never met them before. But today, we're going to uh, jump right in. We'll give you the particulars a little bit later. Today, we're going to be talking with a woman who has a lot of different modalities to help you move forward in your life. She's got a book out that we're going to talk about. And um, we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff with Reverend Sue Frederick. She's a channel, clairvoyant, clairaudient. Uh, wait a minute. Let me see. Claircognitant. Cognit. Oh, my Lord. Uh, as well. I will get that from her. Clairaudient. I was right. Um Cognizant. There we go. Claire Cognizant. She received her wisdom from guides and departed loved ones uh, who um, to help you and I heal grief and find your purpose uh, with her power, powerful intuition. She uses sacred numerology, mystical information to facilitate access into a divine lens to heal your life and mine. And welcome to our program, Reverend Sue Frederick. It's really a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. It's a real honor to be talking to you today. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, I can't uh, I can't get enough of all of this. I I've always been curious about these things. Haven't always sought it out. You know, I, I it's not something that I've necessarily uh, pursued in that regard. But I have been curious. And um, that's really kind of the bottom line for me. Um, you also have a, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm getting all choked up here. You also <laughs> have a book out through a divine lens. And we're going to talk about that as well. And um, we're going to find out about some of the other things that you have written. And you've written quite a few books. I'm still working on my first, uh, but it's really great to have you with us. Uh, basically, the book we're talking about, Through a Divine Lens, Practices uh, practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul. And um, that is probably some uh, uh, great guidance, if you will, because um, sometimes it's our egos can really get away with uh, get away with themselves. They just kind of go off and almost like do their own thing, don't they? Well, our, our culture supports that, you know, we are supposed to be in this world competitive and, and the more money you get, the more successful and the more honored you are. And that's all the ego story. And yet we're each divine beings who came here and dropped intentionally into this physical world for a brief journey of evolution and helping others evolve. And then we get down here and we forget our sacred nature and our sacred purpose. And we act like uh, crazy little greedy people. And we're better than that. And we're all divine beings. So that's why I write my books and do what I do to help everyone shift, make that different perspective to reclaim their, their higher self mm -hmm. and make choices from that place. Well, that's one of the things that we work on here in in terms of supporting people and raising their consciousness um, and coming from that, as you say, higher, higher place. 
One of the things that just kind of struck me that I wanted to uh, ask you about is the fact that I had a guest on, uh, and I've had him on a number of times. Uh, people know who he is, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Andrew Schmuckler. Uh, no, Andrew Schmuckley. And um, he he basically, his perspective, his slogan, if you will, is a better human story, if you will. And um, he comes, uh, I don't know if he's Jewish or not, but what I do know is from the Jewish tradition, for example, from the Torah, the Old Testament, uh, as I have spoken with many rabbis, um, there is no external evil entity like the devil, Satan, and so forth. That yeah. the, the way it's described in the Torah, it is the lowest base nature of man. In other words, it dwells within us. It's just yeah. as the old, um, and I'm tying a lot of metaphors together here. It's like the old um, uh, Native American story of uh, the the black wolf and the white wolf, white wolf, and um, and they're they're battling. And yeah. the uh, young boy is asking the chief, uh, the the or the medicine man, who who is going to win this battle? And the chief says, basically, whoever you choose to feed. Well, I started this journey of trying to figure that out when my beautiful young husband died when I was twenty nine. Um, he died of colon cancer, and so at the age of twenty nine, I went on a journey of studying every religion. I lived in a Hindu ashram for a while. I studied Buddhism. I grew up Catholic. I studied theosophy, Native American spirituality, and eventually spent four years in ministry school to become a unity minister because in all those traditions, when you study all of them and you look at their foundations and the original Aramaic versions of the Bible, what you do see is that it's been rewritten so many times by humans, particularly specifically by men in power, especially in the Catholic Church. And so much was written out of it and then reworded. And the most important part that was written out was that in that in the Bible, Jesus, his main commandment, he says, I give you a command, a new commandment, and it's more important than any of the others. It is to love one another. And then from there on, he, he dies and a religion is created that says you can only be saved through Jesus. And without that, you go to hell. Mm. And that dogma has damaged so many souls on earth because it isn't true. And in unity, the reason I became a unity minister, I think they get it perfectly right when they say God is a loving consciousness, a force of divine love that created this universe that runs through each piece of it and each person in it, each soul. And God is in all of us. And the only negative devil means in the metaphysical interpretation of it, thoughts that separate us from our God consciousness. That's the definition of devil in unity. And what I find so interesting, and I'm seeing more and more of these conversations, and they're short little things on YouTube. I, I love the little shorts because it uh, keeps your attention span just long enough to see the whole thing. And then you get to move on to something else funny. And I <laughs> love comedy. I, I listen to and watch, uh, uh, especially Jeff Dunham and his, uh, his ventriloquist act. I, uh, Jim Gaffigan and his conversations about his family and his kids. But one of the things that really struck me about what you are talking about. And first of all, when I worked for 15 years for a Christian radio station, 
I had a real hard time with the story of the end of the world. Okay. And um, I really, uh, I really felt like something's not right here. Something is, is, is amiss. And um, I'm bored with the story. Is there anything I can do to help to hasten the end of the world, Armageddon, uh, the Antichrist coming upon the earth and so forth? Is there anything I can do to make that happen faster so we can move on to another story? Because I'm bored with I know. I totally agree. And, you know, it's true. The fundamentalist Christianity dogma has gained a lot of momentum in the last couple of decades. And if you even look into that and why and how that has happened, it has to do with money, of course, and greed. Yeah, you know, from the mega churches, right. but they agreed back in the Council of Nicaea, um, and I wish I could remember the date of that. I used to remember it, but I can't remember it at the moment. Which was several hundred years after Jesus died. What comes What comes to mind is three seventy five A.D. I think. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I, I don't don't quote me, folks. You know, the popes, the bishops, they all got yeah. together and said. You know, reincarnation had been in the original Aramaic text, and Jesus talked about reincarnation. And the Christian leaders said, you know, if we teach this, what is going to motivate people to come to church, to believe in what we're saying, if they think they can just come back again, you know, and, and there's no punishing hell. And right there on the spot, they created the dogma of hell. They wrote the Nicene Creed that I had to recite every day as a young Catholic girl growing up. And I believe. Yes. <laughs> yep. And so, you know, millions and billions of people have grown up with this terrible, unjustified fear of going to hell for the slightest. I mean, I grew up Catholic where if you in your adolescence had a (laughs) thought of sexuality, you were going straight to hell. Like Mm -hmm. what a thing to lay on kids, right? Mm -hmm. And the Catholics even believe that... um, you are born as a sinner, born into original sin. I mean, the psychology of all that is so fascinating to think that yeah. they would want people to be born feeling guilty so that they had to go and submit themselves to the power of the Christian leader in order to be saved. Yeah. Now that we've evolved as a culture, We know better. And Mm -hmm. I can say that I personally know better just from my own experiences. And I've had three shared death experiences, holding my loved ones in my arms as they crossed and them taking me with them on the journey to the divine. And it's all pure love and joy, unconditional love. Well, one of the the interesting things for me is that as I worked there at that station, it took me about five years to get rid of the quote unquote belief in the devil, heaven and hell because, and and I'll tell you how I did it. I began to look at it from a legalistic standpoint mm-hmm. uh, and, and in terms of our jurisprudence here in America, in, in North America, uh, in the United States. <laughs> and uh, I got to be more precise, you know, uh, because Canada is in North America, but anyway, and, and basically what it came down to was this. If in fact, this story is true about heaven and hell. It makes God out to be an extortionist. 
I agree. <laughs> He's an extortionist. Now, there was something else that I saw in one of these shorts that I thought was so fascinating. And I had to chuckle because this individual was uh, he was a, a, a journalist, a reporter. He was going around talking with people who claimed to be born again, Bible believing, evangelical, fundamentalist Christians and so on and so forth. And he asked if God was pro-life. Oh, yes, God is pro-life. Yes, God is pro-life. Of course he is. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, what about all that killing in the Old Testament? I mean, look at all the people that God killed. I mean, Noah wiped, I mean, God wiped out the entire population of the planet, according to the Bible, except for Noah and his family and all the animals. Uh, is that is that pro-life? <laughs> and there was silence that came from the individual. Yeah. And uh, again, this is not to get on a rant about you know, pro-choice, pro-life. That isn't the point. And it's not to get in a rant. These are my observations. And I, I always make this very clear as we move forward yeah. in this program, that these are my observations. I'm not putting this on anybody. I'm saying this is this is what I'm looking at. And this is what I am theorizing based upon the mind that was given to me by the creator, whoever he, she, it might be, not even going to get involved in the pronoun issue. I just find it so fascinating that we have lost our ability as human beings, not Americans or anything of this nature, but as human beings to think rationally and logically, even though I had an interview with a gentleman not long ago who he and I, I theorized where he was coming from. It was a great interview, a wonderful interview. I'll have to pull up the name while while we're talking here if I can. Anyway, basically, I was able to uh, distill out of everything that he was saying that what he was saying was that there is, I don't care what you say, there is no absolute truth. And the reason I know this is because According to our conversation, whatever my perspective is, my beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, they are only mine. They can't be anybody else's. And uh, I think the way that I, I phrased it to him as a child, I was seven or eight years old. And I had this dream or this vision. And if you remember the movie, The Men in Black, yeah. the room where they had this giant alien laid out on his table and the head opened up. And what was inside the head? This tiny little creature. I know. And that's how I thought I was. That there was, I was this tiny little creature looking out the eyes, listening through the ears speaking and breathing and all this, but it was just this tiny little thing that was inside manipulating this, this machine right. and that the rest of the world was here for me. But I also had to conclude that everybody else was in the same state and the rest of the world was also there for them, including me. So that my perspectives, what I was thinking, feeling, believing, et cetera, et cetera, they were true but they were only true for me. Yeah. Now, what's well, interesting is, and I want you to dive in on this one as, as we move forward, uh, Reverend Sue uh, Frederick, uh, here on Tell Me Your Story. 
I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I want you to uh, help us out here, uh, Reverend Sue Frederick. Um, uh, by the way, uh, suefrederick.com is her website, and we'll talk more about the work she's doing. She's also got some information she's going to share based on information I gave her earlier. But talk to us a little bit about this concept and that it is right now the egos yeah. of the people so- in the world who are... Uh, running amok with their egos and not looking at the reality that, yes, what your perception it is true for you and you alone. So this reminds me so much of what I've experienced in my travels outside of the body by going with my departed loved ones, where the first thing that happens to us when we cross over is we get our own individual soul review. So I've had it where I've seen my life from this very objective point of view, not from Sue Frederick lens or my ego lens, but from the way the soul views it all. And what you're saying is correct. The soul looks at it and goes, oh, look at that place there where you hurt all those people with your words because you thought you were so right. Oh, look at that place right there where you actually loved all those people because you dropped your ideas, got out of your head and opened your heart. Oh, look at that. Now look at this, where your work spread around and helped people feel more empowered and loving. And then it just takes you through every moment of your life and you suddenly go, wow, those moments when I was stuck in my head and my beliefs and my opinions, I was not acting from my soul. My soul always felt love and compassion for all other souls, knowing we were all in it together, trying to evolve. Yeah, it's and it's it, it, it's not uh, it's not frustrating. It's saddening. It is sad, yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I've been into in some great debates with both, uh, uh, especially when uh, those fifteen years, to where I was actually told, number one, by the ministers who were there with their laity answering the phones on these prayer programs, uh, we don't want you to be talking to our people, we because that's not what they're here to do is debate anything. They're here to answer phone calls for the for the questions and so forth. So you just leave them alone. And I said, okay, fine. And then on top of everything else, they came to me around Thanksgiving one year and said, I don't believe you're saved. I don't really think you're ready to meet God. You need to get <laughs> saved. And and I I thought about that. I pondered that for a couple of days and I came back to the guy and I said, okay, let's uh, try this on for size. Um, uh, I want, uh, I'm standing, you and I are standing on the edge of a large body of water. Could be the ocean, whatever. And you have every means at your disposal right there on the shoreline to save me from drowning. Now, bear in mind, I'm standing right next to you. Are you going to save me from drowning? He says, well, of course not. You're you're not drowning. It's okay. Now I'm in the water and I'm flailing away, but I'm saying, do not save me. I want to die. I want to drown. Would you save me? He said, well, of course I would. I said, so you'd violate my own personal uh, God-given right to choose. You would violate that as well. I don't look at it that way, but uh, yes. All right. 
So what I want you to do is uh, I want you to go out there. I don't want you to start your engine of your car. And without turning it off, I want you to start it again. Then I want you to go home and uh, I want your I want you to have your wife cook the cook the, uh, the Thanksgiving turkey. And then I want you to cook it again. You will ruin your car and you will burn the turkey. I do not need to be saved. I am fine. <laughs> well, of course, my logic was flawed. <laughs> but uh, I just find it. Uh, I, and of course, I like I said, I got into these debates, but I've gotten to the point these days where. Especially with this one interview in regards to perspective and individualism. Uh, I've also noticed a couple of other things. I don't see anywhere. Now, this is assuming you accept the uh, philo uh, the philosophy of Christianity in general. You could label it Protestant, Catholic, etc. But otherwise, there is nowhere that I read anywhere in the Bible where anybody has individual rights, i.e. the First Amendment to the our Constitution. Nowhere. As a matter of fact, if you read it, correctly in my opinion and correctly is a a subjective term um god is a slave owner and that's what he wants to be according to the bible we are slaves because what are we supposed to do we're supposed to serve the creator now some will say well that's a choice i said no it's not not if god's an extortionist it's not well richard this is why I believe in and have practiced meditation, the Hindu approach to meditation for decades, 40 something years, because it quiets the mind. We will never get our answers through the mind, through arguing, through having all these conversations with people. We'll have fun doing that. We'll enjoy yeah. it. But we have to go to the quiet place within where we listen, where we download guidance. And if it comes in with love, loving energy, compassion, and this higher vibration. It's coming from our God consciousness, the part of us and of the universe that runs this world, this universe with love. And I want to share this vision here behind me. If you Please, if so I love that. So I feel like I'm, you're floating around in space there. Yeah, well, there's a purpose for this. So I've had many dream visions and out-of-body experiences in my life. I think when I die, they should tear my brain apart and study it because it's not your normal left brain logic dominant brain, I think. <laughs> it's always had complete access to these other worlds, and yet I've still been able to function. I was a, an executive editor of a big health magazine for decades and of newspapers and and then I reinvented my career to do my true work, which is what I do now that we're talking about it. And yet through all of that, I would always sometimes look at the outer world of politics, of war, of shootings, and I would feel so depressed and discouraged about the evolution of consciousness here on earth. And so one day I went, I, I got really sick. I had been teaching a grief shifting workshop where I bring people into this higher connection with their departed and they get to have conversations with them and their loved ones on the other side never say, you better watch out or you're going to go to hell. They never say that. They say, it's all about love. Please quit being afraid. Quit, please quit being sad and depressed. 
love your life, love everyone around you and know that we are with you. Mm. So I came home from that workshop, very happy, but very exhausted because I'd worked with some deeply grieving people for several days. Um, and I got sick and I got a really high fever. My fever really, I get very high fevers. It was like 104. Ooh. Yeah. And I was and taking, you know, I was taking medication to try to bring it down. But one night I had this clear out of body vision that the angels or the guides or whatever you want to call it, took me out of my body, traveled out into the galaxy into outer space, showed me the earth just the way it looks here and showed it to me from a distance and showed me all these pins of light shooting up from the earth. And I said, what is that? And they said, the spark of love and awakening that every human being has in their heart. And they said, the moment that each person wakes up to their purpose here of love, kindness, compassion, and lets go of the rest of it, mm. they become this powerful beam of light. And the light is always winning. And they showed me how all the time, new lights are sparking all over the world, no matter what world events are happening that look so terrible. And they were telling me so clearly the light is always winning, no matter how it looks. And they even cautioned me and they said these next few years on earth are going to be hard, but you have to keep remembering this vision that the light and the love is always winning. And I came back into my body in the next few days as I was getting better, I was trying to tell everyone about this vision I felt like I sounded like a crazy person. You know, I was like, they, sh they took me to outer space and they showed me the earth and we are all waking up and it all is getting better and the light is winning. And, and then uh, that's what inspired this book that we were talking about today through a divine lens, because I wanted them to help people make that shift to leave their body, to leave their lives and see life from this bigger perspective, get out of our heads. And there's many ways we do it and quieting the mind through meditation, through listening prayer, not from recitation of words that don't mean anything. And by connecting with the love and the light that is the higher realms here, mm. we all know in our hearts then what is true and what is right. Reverend Sue Fredericks, my guest, suefrederick.com is the website. Through a Divine Lens is the book. We're going to continue our conversation with her here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it is always a pleasure. You talked uh, just a moment ago about this aspect of uh, going within and listening to the divine, that still small voice, which is what we have been promoting since September of 2019, started out by saying, uh, we asked people to participate in the year of perfect vision 2020. And then when we moved out of that into 21, we said the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask you, we implore you to spend some time going within to that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place and listening to that still small voice. Maybe it's instruction, maybe it's guidance, maybe it's inspiration, maybe it's insight. Maybe it's just there to say, hey, you're okay. You're perfect the way you are. Right. And I couldn't agree with you more. And, and uh, granted, my ego gets a, a thrill out of the debates. There's no question. Right. 
Well, let me explain why that is. Oh, please do. <laughs> your your soul chose this path that's called the Cancer 3 path. And if you read any of my books, I talk about numerology in all of my books. Numerology was the way I healed myself after my husband died in my arms. It suddenly, when a friend showed up and gave me a numerology reading, it made sense because then I suddenly understood, oh, I chose the path I'm on for learning. I had a soul agreement with my departed husband that he was going to leave early and that that grief would break me open so I would grow. And for his purposes, the illness served his soul's desire to burn up some negativity that he had felt stuck in. And it did. By the time he crossed over, he was pure love. And the path that your soul chose for this lifetime beautiful Richard, is the Cancer 3. And 3 means that you love ideas. You're a creative thinker. I'm sure you're a great writer. You're definitely a great speaker. And it's all creative and ideas and so fun and so unique. But when it drives you crazy, you have to remember that your mission in that path is to then quiet all that creative thinking and get back in touch with your heart. And the good news is the cancer energy of the sun sign is your tool, your ticket for feeling your feelings. And as you move through this lifetime, it's the balance between the three creative crazy ideas and the, and the heart sensitivity of the cancer. And usually when we're young, if we're men in their, this culture, especially, we'll protect our hearts, shut down our feelings, especially in your case, you know, being smart was your survival ticket. Mm. But now in this moment of transformation that you're in, it's really time, you know, for you, as you know, to trust your heart more, to trust your soul's wisdom, at least as much as you trust your your brilliant mind and your brilliant ideas. But we love you because you bring all of these wonderful debates to the world. But the minute it's too much, you just be quiet, feel your feelings, and tap into your higher self. And I also have to add to that, uh, that I'm aware of, and that is that it isn't, it, it's less that I want to be right. A wonderful saying that was given to me when I was 21 years old. It is better to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. Yeah. And it isn't so much that I want to be right. It's more that I want to show people the... <sighs> That there's I, don't another know I, way. I don't know if the, I, I want to say illogic or yes. folly of the quote unquote logic that they are following or lack of logic that they are following, even though I have to go back to what I said earlier about the interview that I had about our beliefs and that it's all that's their perspective as it is my perspective in, in that context. But at the same time, uh, it, it's it's like that discussion about was God pro life? Well, uh, okay. Well, let's take a look at the history that we know of of God, going all the way back to Genesis. Let's take a look at that. Then uh, there's the other issue of um, uh, you know I, I, when I go back to Genesis and I ask the question, okay, we started out with one, and then we went to two, and today we're over eight billion now. 
where did it go from two and who created three and four and five and six and seven and eight? Because if you had the two, they created three and four who were supposedly both male Cain and Abel. I know, I know you know, I just, and I this love- is the, this is the whole illogic. This is the, the, the concept I'm getting to is stop and think about what you're thinking about what you're processing about how you're processing it because it doesn't two plus two is four there is no other answer other than four unless there was a few years ago uh reverend sue frederick it was called whole math and you and I would agree. I went through Catholic. Well, I went through kindergarten, and first gate of Catholic school and then public school, but it was always two plus two is four. But whole math says, kids, we're going to discuss and decide what two plus two is. I know. Well, there let's is- don't talk about that because I had to raise these two kids in that whole math thing. <laughs> oh my god! We had so many arguments with their teachers. You know? <laughs> oh. but, but let me just say that you're a born teacher. That's what your three path really is. You want to get the world to think better, to think differently, to examine all perspectives. Yeah, but that is a very worthy path to be on to be yeah. the teacher to say oh you think it's this way well how about considering this yeah because the more that people think they're finally going to get to a place like you're saying where they go you know what i don't know yeah. and i always say that the reason grief is such a great teacher a spiritual teacher for us is that it's the one thing on earth when our if our child dies young because i work with so many grieving parents mm. they're suddenly no matter what dogma they were raised in they are in that moment of surrender going I don't know what's true yeah. I don't know and I am open now on my knees asking to just understand it from a deeper perspective. And I've thought that the most honest place one can come from is, is, is codified, if you will, in summarized in one word. I, on all subjects, I'm an agnostic. I don't, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, One of my heroes, if you will, one of my mentors, Larry King, um, uh, that's where he came from. He said, I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't know, you know? And there were people that would call him trying to convince him, you know, know, give him the evidence to, so he would know. And it's like, but none of us know. I don't even know what's going to happen in 10 minutes or 10 well, seconds from now. Let me say, we yes. don't know from our minds. True. But we know in our hearts and souls. Yes. We always know. We just have to get bypass this mental thing. That's why I love the Buddhist and the Hindu traditions, because, you know, Hinduism is the oldest religion on earth. And they figured out way back that the only enemy to our lives to connecting to God 24-7 is the monkey mind. Yes. they taught meditations that quieted the mind and chanting. The whole purpose of Hindu chanting is to quiet the mind because then naturally the heart becomes the leader, the dominant force, and the heart has access to your soul, to your Mm -hmm. highest knowingness. 
So in the Buddhist and the Hindu traditions, you spend hours. I did that in an ashram. At one point, I even did a whole week-long silent meditation retreat where we did nothing but sit, meditate silently. We couldn't speak to each other. And they had meals for us, but even in the dining hall, we couldn't speak. And then we'd go back to, you know, sit in silent meditation. And there's no teacher telling you what to experience. You are simply doing mantra and sometimes chanting and going within, and you come out of that experience, pure Mm. light, pure Mm. love. You've Mm. touched God when you have quieted your mind. Yeah, but the down... The downside, though, is now you get to go back into your regular world. (laughs) But here's the thing. If you can go back into your regular life with the ability now to go, oh, this this thing is driving me crazy that I'm trying to get done or my computer's acting up. Oh, my gosh, I'm going crazy. Ah, Let's take a breath. And I even just kind of lift up and go, please lift me above this divine guides. Show me a different perspective. And I feel the presence of loved ones and higher wisdom. And, and the minute I hear a higher wisdom perspective, I go, give me more of that. And I just keep asking to get more of that guidance and whatever we ask for, we get. So yeah. <laughs> Reverend Sue Fredericks, my guest, suefrederick.com is the website. We will be linked to your website too, by the way, so that okay. folks can find out more as they listen to tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I, I love these conversations. The uh, By the way, my, uh, the universe is asking the questions. I'm just along for the ride. That's right. Um, and, and I love it. I have loved doing this. We are in our 15th year. <clears throat> We're fast approaching uh, the end of that. Uh, so we'll celebrate 15 years of producing the, of doing these programs. Uh, but I always, I always look at it this way, you know, uh, June 26th of, of, of this year, I will be um, 63 years old. Now, that means that on the 27th, I begin my 64th year. And it makes sense because when one is born, you're not celebrating your, well, you're celebrating your birthday, but it's zero, not one. (laughs) I'm here. Okay, great. 365 days later, guess what? I've been here a year. Now I start year two on the next day. So... Uh, I've always looked at it that way. It was always kind of fascinating uh, as opposed to how old are you? I'm five and three quarters or five and seven eighths, a kind of thing. You know, you hear that from kids all the time. I know. (laughs) It's fascinating stuff. I want to, uh, a couple of things. I want to dive into your past a little bit. And I want to know, uh, as I'm sure our listeners do, I mean, the title of this program is Tell Me Your Story, and I want you to do that. I want you to tell us when you began to realize that you had not only this uh, cognitive ability, clairaudience, clairvoyance, and so forth, but how you started to go into the area of numerology and uh, sidebar to the numerology, is sacred geometry a part of this as well? No, there are other experts okay. that do geometry. Right. I stick with the numerology and the astrology in the way that I've created it to blend. Okay. Because it's, I just, I want people to come away with a, 
an overall understanding of what their sole purpose is here, why they're going through the challenges they're facing, how to move through them, where their reinvention points are. It's such fascinating stuff. I can't do it justice in our time together, but there are so many answers we get that lift us into the bigger picture. But mm-hmm. to go back to your original question, um, I grew up in the 50s and in the South, But I'm grateful, actually, for my Catholic upbringing, because back in the 50s, the the masses were still very sacred, very traditional. Mm -hmm. And I always felt the presence of some loving God back then when I was growing up. And so even though I didn't listen to everything the priest was lecturing about, (laughs) I felt as a child that God was a loving God. And I was always super weird kid because I would literally come to the breakfast table in the morning and say, oh, I had this dream that, um, you know, we were driving home and suddenly Gwen was driving Denise's car and we were going down Old Shell Road in this green double door truck with a padlock. It slammed, it stopped in front of us and we hit the back of it and my parents would go, well, that's weird, you know, but all right, eat your breakfast, Sue, and go to school, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> and then that dream would exactly happen. Like at the end of the school day, I'd completely forgotten about the dream and we're supposed to be in our carpool going home and it's Denise's car and Gwen, Denise has a headache and Gwen drives it and we're headed down this road and and suddenly that truck is right in front of us, green with double doors and a padlock. And I'm yelling, it's my dream. Don't hit the truck. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so my parents, my mother told me, I better let that go because she was French Creole and she had come from a long line of women with the gift, but they had not mm. been treated well for that in the 40s and 30s. They had been, you know. Like back then, Richard, women were sent to asylums if they said that dreams had come true or that they had visions or they saw spirit. And so my mother was very cautious and said, you better just settle down and keep that stuff to yourself. But my father was an engineer, very logical, and he would take me to the library because he wanted to see, like you, are there any facts to support this? Is there any research? And he was so sincere and he really wanted to understand why I had the experiences that I had. And um, he was so loving and so kind and really trying to help me figure out how to navigate it all. Um, But then when I left home at 17 and went, went out in the world, you know, I knew that I needed to figure out, I didn't want to be crazy. I didn't want to end up in the asylum. I knew I had to figure out how to get stronger into my logic mind. And so um, I kind of re-educated myself and I even became a Montessori school teacher so I could help children learn in a very logical way. And I did that for many years, knowing that that work was healing my brain. It was helping me to be more logical and grounded. And I teach all my clients that our greatest pain is our gift because it's what we're meant to be offering to the world through our greatest work. So one of my struggles had been my left brain not being strong enough, logical enough. So I ended up teaching kids to trust that logic mind when they needed to so that they could be successful. 
that was one of my first careers. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, and then I was finally kind of feeling, okay, I'm going to survive here. I can make a living. I can pay <laughs> for my rent, you know? And, uh, and then I was teaching outward bound mountaineering because I always believed that we should overcome our fears and outward bound in the seventies was all about, you know, jumping off the cliff into the water to overcome your fears. And I loved all that. So I ended up being one of those instructors, a little old 90 pound me helping lead groups up over 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado, pure will and determination. And that's when my soul path kicked back in and said, no, you know, okay, now you've learned how to survive on earth, but that's not what you came to focus on. Mm. So this beautiful mountain climbing man, Paul Frederick, who I was so in love with and was such a kind, gentle, beautiful soul who truly loved me. We climbed mountains together. We loved each other so much. And he had some stomach problems and Pretty soon he was diagnosed and given two weeks to live. And he and I said, no, that's not going to happen. And we fought it, went to every kind of, you know, whether traditional, conventional, alternative or woo-woo. We tried it all. And um, and then he crossed over a year after his diagnosis, but he went through terrible suffering. And so I really was left with this sense of, even though Paul took me with him on a shared death experience and showed me in so many ways that everything was awesome in the divine realms and that this was the hard place, earth, I still needed an answer to the question, well, then why are we here on earth? Why do I have to stay here Mm -hmm. if this is the hard part? And the thing that brought me my first solid answer was numerology. And it said, Sue, you agreed to stay. You have this path of being one of the consciousness shifters on earth. Get to work, girl. You have work to do. And that's when I began. I became a professional writer. I wrote about health and eventually, as you know, about spirituality, which is where I am now. But we each have a great soul mission. We each have an intention that our soul brought with us. And the more closely we can align our work with that, and our relationships and how we show up in the world, the better our life is and the more we can help others. Well, you have written um, what appears to be, what, six six books at least that we've got here. Actually, if you go way back, Uh-oh. It's, it's 11 books. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I was writing about health, you know, because after Paul and Chrissy, my best girlfriend, had died of cancer at very young ages, I just wanted to help everyone live a long, healthy life and prevent cancer. And so I was writing about nutrition and vitamins and organic foods way back in the early 80s, you know. And um, and so that was my first desire to help others from my own pain story. But as I did more, and I was celebrated for that work, and I wrote A Mother's Guide to Raising Healthy Children and all those kinds of books and magazines and And then I realized, you know what, we can eat all the healthy food, but it's really our soul's perspective that determines if our (laughs) life is going to be healthy or not. And so then I really started switching into talking about the inner life. And yes, we got to eat healthy, but 
We have to have a whole different perspective on this life for it to not drive us insane because it's tough here in the physical world. <laughs> yeah, I had to I, I want to comment on something you said earlier in the program about how, uh, you know, we've all chosen to be here and so forth. And uh, that the the quote unquote prediction, that's my word, not yours, is that it's going to get harder. And and, and there would be those who are listening going, what do you mean harder? The last three years. <laughs> That wasn't hard enough and it's going to get harder. But but it's like Barbara Marks Hubbard shared with us, the late Barbara Marks Hubbard. She was on this program in 2007 and a number of times after. And she described the process that we were going through, even at that time, was akin to, I have no reference points to this, giving birth. I know. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, you know, and having given birth myself, I can tell you it's the worst pain you ever <laughs> experience. I believe I believe the phrase when there's pain is, where's my epidural? Yes, that's it. We used to joke because I was in the natural world back then when I was having children. And so everybody would say, well, write your birth plan and give it to the hospital and make sure that they're not going to give you drugs or something, you know, so I wrote this very healthy birth plan. And then like after labor for almost 20 hours, not getting anywhere, I was like, give me drugs, you know, <laughs> so, so many women have that experience. Yeah. Well, my mother gave birth to six. Yeah. Uh, so apparently uh, uh, the pain didn't deter her, at least until number six. I mean, that's amazing to me because I think we just have to forget. I yeah. think after we give birth, we forget forget it or no woman would ever do it again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will tell you that after number six, uh, my uh, I, I, I can't call her my baby sister. She does not like that. My youngest sister. After that, my mother went to my father and said, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Go get a vasectomy. Yes. So that is something that my father and I share. Uh, not the experience collectively, but uh, he did it then and I did it some years later. But it, what I found so fascinating was that I have four sisters and one brother. My four sisters are still with the same man that they married they're still with uh, marriage number one. I'm on two and my brother is on, I don't know. It looks like he's heading for number three, uh, <laughs> marriage, not so much divorce, but marriage. And I'm going, okay, what the heck? What is it with the girls? They can hang in there and they can make it work. And, and me and my brother, for whatever reason, but I made the commitment when I met my present wife, I said, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make this work. I will not. If I go through that again, I'm never going to connect <laughs> with another woman again. That's it. I'm done. Because yeah. it just is. It just ain't fun. And and um, I know that a lot of people feel that way with a lot of different things. But, you know, relationships are soul agreements. Richard. That's right. That's you got it. It's and, not like we're coming together to live happily ever after. We're no, coming it doesn't together work to way. 
to say, yeah, we're going to, we have inner work to do and we're yeah. going to push each other to do that work. And if Absolutely. we both, if we yeah. both do it, then our love will get better and better. Absolutely. Reverend Sue Frederick is my guest and uh, her website is uh, suefrederick.com. The book is Through a Divine Lens. And I want to talk more about that, but we'll talk more about her as well as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. And we are Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is a pleasure to have Reverend Sue Frederick on the program. Uh, you know, it's funny, about uh, two years ago, I got an email uh, from uh, the Universal uh, Life Church, I believe is what it's called, reminding me, saying congratulations on your 10th year as a reverend. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm also a reverend, but I haven't really performed much of anything. But I, I was born and raised Catholic too, and I I I have to tell you that <clears throat> um, I fell in love with, if you will, the church from this standpoint. From this standpoint, that I loved the ritual and the ceremony. Um, you know, there was, there's just something about. I agree. Catholicism. The Catholics um, got so much of it right. Yeah. You know, I they mean, did. I was, yes, they really did. And the and the right parts of it are the most beautiful rituals, the most beautiful ceremonies. Yeah. That we really feel that connection to a God, and you know, I think it's a little sad that even in the last couple of decades, the Catholics have gotten more dogmatic and more kind of fundamentalist in their approach because the Catholic church I grew up with in the fifties and sixties was very liberal, very open-minded in my religion class for Catholic school. We studied Buddhism and Hinduism and all the world religions. Nowadays they don't do that. It's like, Nope, we're only going to teach you the Catholic dogma. And I think the more educated we are about the world and all the different perspectives on God, the less closed-minded and judgmental we can be in thinking we have the only right way. Yeah. You know, go live in China and study what they study. Go live in India and study what they study. Go live in any country that has a different religion and see the beautiful components that are part of that. And when you compare them all, there's one common thread mm. that we all believe there is a presence beyond the physical world. And we call mm. it God and all sorts of different stuff. But every path agrees with that one principle. Yeah. And without going into any detail, I, I processed in my own mind uh, the illogic, uh, again, 15 years at a Christian radio station, it was the best education I could have been paid for. And I was paid for it. Uh, but it was great because I also I learned about sociology, psychology, comparative religions, uh, and, and the list goes on. I think that the one thing that bothered me most uh, at the time was, uh, especially in the late 80s into the into the early 90s, was this this hatred uh, that developed first of first for those who did not conform to the quote unquote dogma, mm -hmm. i.e., 
uh, the abortion of uh, the women who had abortions, the gays, anybody who lived uh, contrary to uh, the teachings, uh, the alleged teachings of the Bible. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. There's something you've missed in the Bible in the New Testament. It was not the church was not for the whole and the saved. It was for the hurting and the dying and the blind and the deaf. And uh, the list goes on. It was for those who, I guess a better word, who were broken. Yes, absolutely. And not to convert them to anything, to care for them, to love them. And that's what really I think really got to me. You know, the Beatitudes say it so beautiful in the Bible, you know, and even them, they have been rewritten a bit. But when you go back and just, if you just do nothing else, go back to the New Testament and read the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, because they're all about saying that we're here to care for each other and to care for those who are suffering and struggling and grieving and all of that. And when you look at where Christianity is now, what they've interpreted is that we're here to judge and condemn those who are different and suffering and this and that. And that's not at all what Jesus said. And that's not what any loving God consciousness has ever taught us or said. And when we get to the divine realms, we see so clearly the moments when we've been judgmental or hateful and the negative ripple effect that that has had in the world. And our soul is appalled by that. So when we're down here, we have to live as if we remember what that soul review is like and make make choices from there. And I'm sure you've seen the movie with Albert Brooks and uh, Meryl Streep. Defending your life. Defending your life is one of my favorites. And and the way she experiences that by going whole hog into everything, including I can eat anything and everything I want and won't gain a pound. Whereas Albert is over here uh, shaking in his boots because he's afraid he's going to be judged. And somehow he just doesn't seem to get it until near the end. Great, great movie. Uh, Defending is it defending my life. No, defending Your Life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. Oh. That is one of my family's yeah. favorite movies. When we all get together, we watch that over and over because it's so funny and so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's one of the things that went through my mind just shortly after one of the televangelists uh, who railed against homosexuality passed away. And uh, I said, well, at least now he knows the truth. I know the thing is, we don't need to judge each other because the the moment someone crosses over, they suddenly see it. They understand who they were here. And, you know, I just definitely want to live my life in a way that when I get to the other side, I can go, at least I tried to do my best, you know, like I was not trying to hurt people when I was there. Well, here's the other thing for me. Um, and number one, I, I, I it's quoted over and over again, of course, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's only recently that I've come to this conclusion. Again, here goes my intellect. For God so loved the world. Really? If he really loved the world, he wouldn't. And again, I'm not saying he did. He would have not, he would not have set up an extortion racket. Right. (laughs) Okay. But then there's the other side of it for me. Now, first of all, I don't know about you, 
But if today's my day to go, I'm ready. I oh, surrender. And oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Any, it's kind of like being abducted by aliens. Do you really think there's something you can do about it? No. So <laughs> I'm on the other side, if you will. I am now before the almighty. And um, the almighty says, so <clears throat> Richard, what do you have to say for yourself? Said, well, I got two things. Number one, <clears throat> I did the very best that I could with the life that you gave me. And so if that isn't good enough, well, then you can cast me into the lake of fire. Number two, you are omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. You have known from day one how all of this was going to unfold and end. Ergo, all of this is on you, not me. But Richard, hey. imagine that it works this way. <laughs> you take your final breath. Your soul peacefully and painlessly lifts up above the body, above the physical world. <sighs> and you're traveling through time and space. And suddenly you arrive in the most love-filled, unconditionally loving divine realms. And you see your departed loved ones. You see spirit guides, angels all coming and saying, well done. Let's have a conversation about how it went. And and they're saying things like, do you remember you chose to have that grief challenge early on because you wanted to learn to open your heart? Mm. And look, you did pretty well. Look at that. And then that the, you know, that you're suddenly not talking to a God who did this to you. You are reviewing what your soul came to learn and how you did on that journey. Yeah. That's a whole different perspective. Works works for me. Works for me. Reverend Sue Frederick is my guest. Reverend Sue Frederick and SueFrederick.com is the website. That's SueFrederick.com. And uh, you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. You're listening to Tell Me Your Story. And I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, we are talking with Reverend Sue Frederick. And um, I want to thank you so much. There's so much more that we could talk about. Was there anything else that you wanted to impart from me from the information I gave you earlier in regards to numerology? Because what you've already shared with me is really fascinating and obviously accurate because, uh, you know, I, I would agree with you in terms of the way my so life is and uh, has been going. You're in a three personal year in numerology in 2023. So that's your personal vibration this year, which is the same as your lifelong soul mission of the number three. So this is a very creative, productive year for you. Very social. Get that book written. This is the year to do it. And next year, you've got some hard work coming. You'll be in a four year. You might be building a whole new platform, maybe TV, radio, or getting the book out and each personal year gives you a different cycle of energy to work with. But just remember that this year, it's okay to be in your head, to be creative, to be in your ideas, but pour it into your book, pour it into the tools that you're going to offer to the world to help the world shift. Cause we're mm -hmm. all in this consciousness shift together. We each have a different job. We're each a different piece of the puzzle, but we're all needed to step up. Well, I thank you for that information. I, I take that to heart uh, with um, the people that I surround myself with. Uh, I love what I do. Um, 
you know, it's really interesting. I've been I've been doing this for well, good. I I checked just the other day, and I think it was forty four years. Forty four years this August 29th, which is really when on this whole when this whole thing began. Actually, it was earlier than that because. I had to take I had to go back to eighth grade when I was 12 years old. I did my very first interview. Um, but I love this. This is there's nothing else like this for me. Um, I even interviewed my parents on this program. And my mother, she reluctantly gave me permission to air it. <laughs> I, I say reluctantly, and here's the reason why. She says, Do you really think people are gonna learn anything from what? your father and I have to offer? And I said, well, yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my father has since passed on. As a matter of fact, March 1st of this year, 2023, my eldest sister uh, marched, I think it was March 29th of 2022. And um, it's just so been- Do you hear from them, Richard? Do you hear from them? Do they come to you in dreams or visions or- Not so much. I heard my sister's voice shortly after her passing when I got the phone call, just saying, hey, Richard, it's okay. Everything's okay. You're doing great. Everything's just fine. But with my father, I talk to him a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, I get more along the lines of impressions. Yeah. And one of them I'll share with you very quickly- uh, our, we, we were able to buy a Ford F-150 back in 2018, December 1st, mm -hmm. and we had it up until April 21st of 2023 when, uh, via the, uh, mechanic and the insurance company, it was declared a total loss. Mm -hmm. Well, normally you might kind of wring your hands going, Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then, <laughs> and of course, first thing was I made sure my wife was okay, which she was, uh, I took a look at the truck, which somehow got up on top of a stump, the front end. And uh, I'm going, okay, first thing we got to do, we got to get it off the stump. Then we got to get it to a mechanic. Then I have to call the insurance company and so forth. But like another experience that I had back in 2006, there was no fear. There was more along the lines of thinking about how we got the truck. I was driving a Volvo. I went down a side street. I was hit broadside by a vehicle pulling out of the driveway. That vehicle was totaled. And the next thing I know, we're driving a truck, which is what we always wanted in the first place. <laughs> so I began to imprint that experience on the present experience and going, something really good is going to happen here. Really, And it did. And now my wife and I are driving a 2020 now, isn't this interesting? 2020, the decade <laughs> of perfect vision, a right. 2020 um, Volkswagen Tiguan. Tiguan is German for tiger, which I thought, well, that's yeah. interesting. I like yeah. that. And it has all of the accoutrement that I have been wanting in a vehicle. Uh, it's it, it uh, it's just really nice. And they refer to it as a, a compact SUV, which I find interesting. To me, those are diametrically opposed right, terms. But, right. but here we are. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this so is once this you amazing. Begin, I mean, once you once we begin to realize that everything is kind of on purpose, that it's leading us to the next. Yes. And that we got to quit yes. fighting and resisting and accept yes. it. You know, my husband was diagnosed with cancer, my current husband, in 2018. 
And we ended up finding the only doctor who could really help him here in Phoenix, Arizona at Mayo Clinic. My hometown. Oh, well, that's where I am. And so we had to uproot our life, our 40 plus year family home in Boulder, Colorado and move without knowing anybody to Phoenix. And since we've gotten here in 2019, I have made the best friends because I'm part of a a group of women who connect. Uh, It's called helpingparentsheal.org, nonprofit for anyone who's lost a child. You should check it out. And I do talks and workshops with them. And I've made the best friends because we all believe that our departed are still available to us and can help us heal. And these are my people now. These are who I hang out with all the time. And my husband is doing awesome. And he's very much enmeshed in these new friends. And we have a great life right on the edge of having feeling like it was all going to fall apart, but following our intuition where we were guided. And yes, my husband will probably cross before I do, but I'm intending to take it with love and grace and positive intention, knowing that I will be taken care of or whatever is meant to happen will happen. And that's our spiritual divine lens in action. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. Um, It's funny with all of the friends that I have, I don't, my wife and I do not have a, uh, uh, a like-minded community here in Santa Barbara that we've connected with. That doesn't mean we haven't been looking. It's just, it just hasn't happened yet. By the same token, um, I'm always a firm believer that the universe is going to bring things around that when it's time and, uh, and it's just, you know, it's just not time yet and that's okay. But I still, I still put it out there. The same situation with, whether it's this this situation with the vehicle, whether it's the situation in our relationship, whether it's the situation with this the job that I do, uh, or these podcast video casts that I produce um, and host, um, again, it's it's all about quite honestly, literally throwing up your hands and saying, "I surrender." I surrender. Right. (laughs) That's it. I surrender to highest good. That's right. I want to thank you again for joining us here on the program. I do have three final questions that I want to ask you before we wrap it up. But before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we have a video cast on YouTube. We have channels both on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. We hope that you'll subscribe, but at least click the notification so that every time a new interview is posted, I call them conversations, that you uh, know that, uh, ah, there's another one there. Let's take a listen. Let's take a listen and see what they have to say. So, Uh, What else do we got? Oh, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing here on the program, we'd love your financial support. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And um, when you go there, you can uh, basically uh, type in my email address to whom to send the support, richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And as mentioned earlier, please take time during this the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, to spend time in that quiet, calm, still, 
peaceful place and listening to that still small voice for whatever it has to offer. And with all of that said, we now jump into our final three questions. The first of which is, who is Sue Frederick? A soul on a journey like everybody else here, doing my best to see what's true and how to love and live with an open heart. What is your life's purpose? Mm, to bring ideas to the world that help shift consciousness. And finally, what was your best day? I've had so many, but I think what I have to say is the day I gave birth to my beautiful daughter, Sarah. I was 43, thought I could never have a child, and suddenly the gift of life. Greatest day ever. Wonderful. Well, Reverend, I thank you again for joining us here on the program. I look forward to having you back again to talk about some of the other work that you are doing, uh, not just around a numerology, but some of the other things that you're doing to help serve uh, and help people to uh, get through, uh, to find their life's purpose, to get unstuck and so forth. So again, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast. Folks, this gets a little longer every time. Love to lol. Jeanette, I am listening. And Dad, be happy. <laughs> <laughs>